Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Dr. Jenny Bingham is a, a clinical pharmacy specialist at Symphonia RX. Throughout Jenny's career, she has launched several novel programs aimed to improve the quality of care for patients in a variety of settings. Jenny manages a transition of care program that has led to reduced readmission rates at 30, 60, and 90 days post-discharge, has decreased Medicare beneficiary expenditures, and a substantial return on investment. Uh, Jenny also acts as the lead telehealth pharmacist for a rural-based epilepsy clinic. She is committed to advancing the pharmacy profession through telehealth pharmacist-delivered mental health services, as seen by her involvement with multiple grant programs and readmission reduction services for serious mental illness patients. Dr. Bingham is also passionate about the advancement of pharmacists in the telehealth setting, as demonstrated by her role as the 2018-2019 chair of the APHA Telehealth SIG, where she led her team to create one of the first continuing education series for telehealth pharmacists. She is the humble recipient of the 2017 Arizona Pharmacy Association's Exemplary Patient Care Award, a 2018 nominee for the APHA Foundation Career Achievement Pinnacle Award, and as well as a finalist and the winner for the 2019 Next Generation Pharmacist Technology Innovator Award. Jenny, such a pleasure to have you. Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much, Hillary. It's great to be on your show today. Um, Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or maybe share a little bit more about your personal life, like where you where you are in the world today while we're connecting remotely. Uh, absolutely. Thanks. So um, I live up near the Phoenix area in Arizona. Um, I'm a mom of two beautiful children. I have a second grader and a pre-kindergartner. Um, and th- that's my life outside of work. Pretty busy as a mom. I'm doing um, extra activities like baseball and ballet and those things. Um, but I really think I do have a, a dream job because I'm able to be a mom, full-time working mom, and I'm also able to do what I love day in and day out as a pharmacist, um, really being able to innovate in my role to make these clinically sustainable models for pharmacists just to further really advocate advancing our role um, a- as we see it now. So I, I feel very blessed. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So, Jenny, how did you get into telehealth pharmacy? And and maybe share a little bit more about what telehealth um, 
means to you or, or what our listeners should expect from uh, about telehealth? Sure. Um, so my, my career journey was definitely um, not a straight road. Um, I started out in pharmacy school, um, really set on working in community pharmacy. And when I went to graduate at the time, um, there, there weren't any jobs where I was working at the time. So I really fell back on what, where I started in pharmacy when I was 15. I was a volunteer at a hospital pharmacy um, and I would work once a month. Um, I'd drive up from Tucson up to Chandler and I would work a shift at the local hospital up here. Um, so really fell back on that and, and why I wanted to be a pharmacist and did hospital pharmacy for a few years. I really loved it. It was one of the most challenging roles I've had. Um, but then I had my son and I was struggling as a mom working um, all of his first Christmas and Easter's and those things. So um, I started to fall back on some of my relationships that I built through the university. And, and one of those was a, a professor that I had um, that was working with a medication therapy management company. Um, so I kind of went out on a whim um, and applied to be a pharmacogenomic program coordinator. Um, very different from telehealth, um, but, but that was primarily looking at pharmacogenomic test results and relaying those information and recommendations to the providers. Um, then I started to get my feet wet doing some medication therapy management services with comprehensive med reviews, but also wanting professional growth. I think that's kind of been the underlying tone for me um, throughout my whole career. Um, so this was about three years out of pharmacy school. Um, I started to kind of just want to grow, to do more, to lead, um, ask for opportunities. So my first telehealth program that I helped work with was um, with a local family medicine clinic, and it was delivering virtual chronic care management services. Um, and with telepharmacy, um, it, it, I really think that it's a myriad of things that it addresses um, related to healthcare deficits. So not only improving med adherence for patients, but we also know that telepharmacy can improve chronic condition management through improved adherence to the national guidelines, um, cost assistance, identifying the barriers that a lot of patients have as to why they can't get into their doctor's office, whether it's travel, transportation, walking, maybe independent living, um, and just really improving these quality performance measures for them, like preventative screenings, um, and, and really doing it through tailored individualized therapy recommendations. So um, I, I did that for about a year, um, and then I got involved with um, one of the first pharmacist and nurse coordinated transition of care programs that was aimed to reduce all-cause readmissions. Um, and then the following year, I'm really blessed with an opportunity to um, kind of jump in and help lead and develop an innovative um, epilepsy telehealth clinic. So um, that's kind of how my career has unfolded with telehealth. Um, I, I feel really fortunate um, to have been really at the forefront, kind of leading this way and hoping to publish some of our results so that we can really get the word out there about what pharmacists can do with telehealth. Yeah, well, that's... Very amazing. And uh, I, I love that you um, shared your underlying theme of um, a desire to innovate and be at the forefront, but also your um, openness to opportunities. Um, so yeah, well, Jenny, and tell a us a little bit more about um, the role of telehealth pharmacy services and the need for continued um, research about um, what that looks like. 
Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, um, when I was the co-chair for the telehealth special interest group with APHA, you know, you start looking for your project while you're a chair. And um, something that I found doing research is that there really aren't any certification programs for pharmacists to get credentials or, 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 or any certifications that, for that matter in telehealth other than maybe case management or nurses. Um, there just isn't a lot out there. So I started working closely um, with our liaison with APHA to see what we would need to do to develop an advanced professional training program. Um, so over the course of those two years, worked really hard to do our research, um, really make um, really a, a, a call to action why we need to have this available for pharmacists. Um, so what we've done is um, over the course of those two years, we were able to create a four-part continuing, um, continuing education webinar series about the role of the telehealth pharmacist. Um, and our hope is to continue advocating through that committee um, to eventually make a four-hour advanced professional training program. Um, just really so that, like we were saying, um, getting the word out there, publishing our results, our programs, um, and also even more importantly, spreading the word to non-pharmacy journals because I, I know that we get in the habits of going for, you know, certain pharmacy-related journals, but definitely pharmacists know what pharmacists can do, but we have to get the word out there to the provider groups, to the nurse groups, case management, public health journals, so we can really start to advocate that expansion of our role. Absolutely. And Jenny, it sounds like you know, obviously, Symphonia RX, uh, based in Arizona, is certainly one of those leading states uh, that is doing that work. Um, there's there was a company uh, that still exists here in Nashville that um, was definitely one of the, the forefronts on on MTM. So, seeing a lot of different things pop up around the country um, is telehealth pretty widespread throughout the states, or, or is, does it vary state by state with with um, how advanced that is in, in practice or with regulations? Definitely, there there is a um, there are some. You can definitely see the differences across the country. Um, I would say in the past couple of years, um, trending, you can see that more and more states are adopting the model or even considering it in legislation, which is great. Um, we're still not there at a hundred percent, but I would say in the past five years, it has definitely taken off. Um, it's definitely a buzzword in the community and in integrated behavioral health models, and you know, and primary care clinics. So we're we're getting there. Um, there are other things to consider, like the regulations when you're going across state lines. Um, definitely, those are some of the barriers that we face. And then also just the fiscal considerations when we're spreading pharmacist services across multiple sites and states, kind of use, using those models to make sure that it, it makes the most sense and works efficiently. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Jenny, you know, we've, we've been uh, hearing, of, of course, there is a national provi um, 
primary care uh, provider shortage. And we, uh, as pharmacists, are certainly in a wonderful position to be able to help um, fill in some of those gaps, um, especially in rural areas, as you mentioned. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And I think um, now is a, a very interesting time. I'm in healthcare. We are really starting to experience kind of the um, just the, the ramifications of the pharmacy deserts issue that's happening with these these neighborhoods that have limited access to their pharmacy locations. Um, you know, we have to think about things like their income level. Do they have a vehicle to get to the pharmacy, um, like transportations, the distance from the store, um, to, to make sure that we can increase this access for these patients. Um, and with the national provider shortage, we can see in statistics that it, it's alarming. We um, have almost offset the ratio of providers. There's almost four pharmacists for every provider, which is, is almost like a, it seems like a simple solution just to have pharmacists get more integrated, um, whether they're in a centralized location and using video telehealth technology um, to really make the most use of the patient's time while they're waiting to see their provider, um, to really do that guideline recommendation assessment, drug safety assessment, and, and relaying those recommendations in live time to the providers so that when they are triple booked, we can really be making the most use of that time and making it a more efficient model for them. Yeah. And what, what's been some of the most significant uh, results that you've seen and that you've been able to show anything um, financially related? Yeah, I would say um, through, and one of our um, studies is um, published in clinical diabetes with a pharmacist and nurse coordinated transition to care program. Um, that one is using telephonic telehealth solutions, um, but that one was able to show almost an 80 to one return on investment 90 days post-discharge. Um, so that, that was outstanding um, to, to see just the impact that pharmacists can make on reducing readmissions um, more at a longitudinal effect than just the 30 day readmission that we expect to see um, with CMS requirements. Um, other publications, um, Journal of Managed Care Specialty Pharmacy has one on the virtual chronic care management program, um, and that's able to show that of the recommendations that were made to the providers, over 30% of them were accepted and integrated into the patient's health, whether through monitoring recommendations, um, dosage adjustments, just to overall make them have um, better medication safety. So we're starting to see those trends. Definitely want to continue that um, so we can show that impact um, it, throughout the healthcare community. Awesome. Um, so Jenny, tell us a little bit more about how pharmacists um, have really been able to improve mental health. We've, of course, got an, an opioid crisis. Um, lots of mental health is is certainly top of mind with uh, mental health first aid training and um, other things. Um, what what have you been able to do with really providing that integrated behavioral health um, service with uh, telehealth? 
Sure. Um, mental health is definitely one of my passions as well. Um, so one program, um, one study that we had done really evaluated the effectiveness of a pharmacist um, calling patients to talk about not only their medication list, but also more of a holistic approach. You know, what what does your diet consist of? How physically active are you? What is your sleep hygiene? Um, how much are you sleeping? Um, and really, they were able to use some of those core components of our our education on how we know how the brain makes neurotransmitters and we need these precursors that are fueled by complete proteins and such to make the neurotransmitters so the meds have things to target. Um, we were able to show that through multiple touch points with these patients, um, they used a Duke Health Profile Score Assessment and it showed that it improved their physical health as well as their anxiety and their depression scores. Um, and at the time, it was just really rewarding to work with these patients. Um, that, like we were saying, provider shortages that might have been afflicted by that, that really benefited from that really um, um, individualized, um, cu customized consultation service from the pharmacist to improve their mental health. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Jenny, this has been so interesting to learn more about um, how pharmacists are really uh, taking on uh, and embracing telehealth and um, able to make a real difference. I can't wait to to check out some of those um, studies that you mentioned and um, definitely would refer any of the listeners to check out some of um, the webinars that have already been put together through the APHA uh, Telehealth SIG if they want to find out more information. Um, and then how would they be able to find find you? Um, is LinkedIn or, or Symphonia Rx one of the best ways to kind of keep track of some of the innovative work that's happening? Absolutely. Yeah, LinkedIn would be a great um, avenue to contact me. My email's on there, and I would love to talk to anybody who's interested in starting telehealth um, within their clinic models. Um, I, I really think the more um, where we can get out there, the more we can inspire others and just kind of facilitate that process. I invite anyone to reach out. Wonderful. And so, Jenny, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self and, or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their careers? <laughs> I love that question. Um, I, I work really closely um, in some of my roles with our fourth year rotation students and our um, PGY2 residents. And one word of advice that I give them is just to not be afraid of saying yes and um, because it really opens so many doors. I, I wish that I knew, knew that earlier in my career. Um, I, I didn't start that practice till about five years out of school, but I definitely noticed just it just exponentially took off with just opportunities for um, webinars, for podiums, for farm talks. Um, and, and just to really serve as a subject matter expert, I think it's just if you're willing to put in the time and volunteer and say yes, and uh, really the sky is the limit. Wonderful. Such great advice for those <laughs> who are getting started or who are, are out there and maybe looking to um, do something innovative as uh, their career path uh, might take some twists and turns too. So <laughs> Jenny, uh, thanks so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Hillary. Have a great day. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.